Tom, first of all, how, how are you? I'm very well, actually. Yes. I mean, I, I don't know whether you're the same uh, in the Netherlands, but it's we're, we're experiencing a heat wave here for the second time this summer, um, which uh, is um, in, in some ways nice. It's enjoyable to be outside and enjoying the summer, but also slightly disconcerting in terms of uh, sort of, um, I suppose, confirming anxieties about climate change and those kind of things. So, um, yes, I hope I hope we can do something about it because it's um, it's definitely beginning to become a bit of a concern. Yeah, what what what, what are your thoughts on it? Is it is it something that 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 well um, can be can be turned around? <laughs> well, I don't think it can be turned around necessarily. I think at least that's that's. From the science that I've read, I think it's unlikely that we could turn it back round, although actually not inconceivable by all accounts. But I think it's just arresting it, isn't it? It's, it's, it's whether we can all be convinced in time that we need to do sort of some more sort of substantial, serious things to change the way we all live our lives. And I, I think that's very hard, isn't it? Because it's, you know, it's, it's still incremental, even though these things seem to be happening, it's still happening gradually and so uh the notion that we suddenly put the brakes on and we all stop flying and we all stop you know taking petrol cars everywhere and you know make make really big changes to our lives that that seems uh almost um uh so like something that we we're, we're not really that ready to do yet even though actually by the sounds of it we need to be doing it so i don't i mean i i My my view is that we need our governments just to tell us and regulate the hell out of everything, so that we're just forced into it, you know. Because I think that that's the only way anything's ever going to really change. But um, yeah, I suppose we just got to talk about it and and hope something budges at some point. Yeah, I think well over here, um, for example, we are building a house now, my wife and I, and for our kids, of course, and we aren't allowed to use gas anymore. So right. we have to do it. So I think in that way, uh, some measurements are already being taken. But I think, well, when yeah. will it be in effect? Maybe within 10, 20 years. Yeah. Um, I think maybe a nice bridge to uh, midpoint. Um, yeah, sure. I, uh, I wrote down some lyrics and I think, well, it's, it's, it's a nice story that you've, that you've, uh, that you are telling on this album. Um, I can see the finish now. Um, over half the way back down. Is some sit maybe deadline sums up what well, what state you're in now and 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 what in in what mood this album has been made? Well, I think um, that's been the thing that has really sharpened my focus over the last sort of few years and brought I think brought up a lot of questions for me as a person. Um, this sense that oh, hang on, you know, I'm not 21 anymore and I'm not kind of going sort of all guns blazing in a certain direction, you know, which is what I think your tendency when you're younger is to think in those terms and to think that you're immortal. Uh, and then suddenly you reach a certain point in life and, you know, it's almost, I mean, I feel like these questions started to come quite suddenly. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a particularly gradual thing. Suddenly I started to look at my life and think, wow, there's, there's, probably more than half a life behind me and there's so much there that is kind of 
been done already. And there's so many adjustments that I then need to make uh, in terms of how I'm going to be going forwards in my life now. I'm, I have to have different hopes and different aspirations and um, a different attitude to, to living, I suppose. Um, and it's all coloured by that sense of realisation that uh, life isn't going to go on forever. And, um, you know... Yeah, when when I say I'm sort of I'm I'm over half the way back down, you know, I kind of do sense that, you know, and and also the the sort of downness of it. There there is a a sense of you know you kind of peaked and now you've got to prepare yourself for the second half, which ends in the inevitable. Two questions uh, yeah. based upon your answer. The first thing you said, well, it, it came suddenly. Is it did it something have to do with with well, with, the, with the birth of your son or or something else or? Uh I don't really know whether it was that. I think, well, that may have been part of it. I mean, those things are obviously, inevitably, those things are going to change the way that you view yourself and you view your life, right? I mean, as soon as you've got children, you realize that you're no longer the center of your own universe. There's someone else there that's more important uh, than you are, really, and has to be looked after and requires your, um, it requires you to be available emotionally, physically, geographically. Um, and so, yes, and also I think it just on a more sort of philosophical level, it's kind of a, that sense of, oh, actually now I'm handing over, um, you know, the, the responsibility of kind of, of growing and, and, and uh, being a kind of young thrusting individual to the next generation because it's not me anymore and I can see it in front of me there are my kids there they're doing that right now um so that yeah I'm sure that that definitely has an influence um and you know Gabriel our boy is our second kid and that's probably confirmed that even more and certainly more you know it's more stressful and it's more time taken up and it's harder to do the things more selfish things that I enjoy. Um, But, you know, sacrifice that you make when you have kids, isn't it? So, so, so there's that, but I I think it's, I mean, honestly, I just think it's an age thing. I think it just, I feel like, and I get this from talking to, to people that this is just a thing that happens when you reach a certain age. It's like you inevitably start to ask a whole load of new questions. And I think, one of the things I tried to explore in the album is this sense of uh, how those, when those questions arise in your life, you know, I think it boils down really to one thing, which is, am I happy with what I've got? <laughs> you know, with this little mini empire that I've built up, am I content with that? Um, or do I want to change that? And I suppose the changing of that is a sliding scale, right? So, you know, it could be as simple as, oh, I'm just going to get a fast car. You know, these are the cliches, but there are cliches for a reason. I'm just going to get a kind of sports car and have a mini midlife crisis like that. Or, you know, along that sliding scale, it gets kind of more and more serious and the fallout gets greater. So it could be I'm going to leave my partner and strike up with someone new someone kind of fresh and exciting, I don't know, you know, who I've not been with for 20 years. Or, I mean, even, and this is certainly the case for a lot of men, I think, you know, a lot of men, and it's a 
frightening statistic, but you know, the highest, the biggest killer in men of, of my age and, uh, you know, the, the sort of little world I'm writing, the biggest killer is suicide, you know, so that, that there is this sort of sliding scale um, of decisions that people make to, to change where they're at and to tear it all down. But saying that, it's quite possible not to change anything. It's quite possible, I think, to ask yourself those questions and to experience the anxiety and the fear that those questions bring about, but to work through it and to come out the other side and feel liberated. Well, I'm happy with what I've got. You know, I'm happy with myself and with my family and the stability and the solidity of that. You know, so, so it's, I found it a very interesting part of life to write about and i think it's full of really fascinating questions yeah there's one thing that i think that that sums up uh, what you just just discussed and i was thinking well what how did you well uh went through that it's a uh, stars align um i think now i think i i personally really like that song uh all my life i was always going somewhere when i got there i would long for somewhere else yeah when did you came to this realization? And then apart from that, when did you decide, well, no, I have to be happy with what I have now? So first of all, when did you come, when did you actually, well, knew for yourself that this, this was the case, that you were always longing for something else. You long, long, always longing, but longing isn't good because it's always something yeah. somewhere else is better, yeah. Yes, exactly. It's that sense of restlessness that you think, oh, just round the corner is happiness and everything's going to fall into place if I just keep moving forwards. And of course, that's an illusion, right? I mean, that never happens. Life is never like that. It's always a process. You might have brief moments where you feel that, but it doesn't last. It's ephemeral, I guess. Uh, and that's something I think you just, again, that's something you learn as you get older, I've certainly learned it through getting older and through lots of therapy. Um, I mean, I think partly in the first part of my life, part of the reason I was always looking and searching was I wasn't very happy. I wasn't very happy with myself. Um, and that restlessness, uh, to kind of find fix, a fix in something external. Right. So it's always like, it was things like kind of material possessions or, you know, money, or adoration, uh, you know, certainly, I mean, you could argue that being in a band and being the front man is a very unhappy um, cry for help, right? I mean, it's, you're, 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 you're looking for the biggest stage you can to be loved and to be adored. And sort of on an unconscious level, I can see why so many singers uh, end up singing and why they also end up so unhappy, you know, because they realize that it doesn't bring uh, the satisfaction and the solution to their problems. So for me, the fix and the, this, the, uh, the solution to the unhappiness was an in inward journey, not, a, not an outward journey. I suppose that's what Stars Align is saying, you know, it's saying it's, it's about the inward journey. It's about learning to just be happy or acknowledge the moment that you're in um, and, you know, and also to be spontaneous. Like, I think the more that you, you know, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's one of my favorite lyrics, that whole song, the, the lyrics, that song, one of my favorite parts of the record. Because I think it's also saying, you know, it's important to be spontaneous. Like, I, I think sometimes people have, you know, a five-year plan 
or a sort of a set of goals about where they want to be in a, you know, by, by this time, I want to be there and I want to have this and I want to have that. And again, I think those kind of expectations, whilst they can occasionally be helpful, generally are going to end in disappointment because, you know, that getting to that place inevitably often doesn't, isn't that, that's not when you suddenly realize you're happy. Right. What, what, what was for you the um, the uh, what were you longing for? What 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 was the, what was the emptiness inside that you needed to fix? What where where did that stem from? Did you know? Well, I mean, I think it's all tied in with my addiction, um, you know, and I think it stems back to uh, probably to my teenage years. I think that's when the unhappiness really began. So I think the unhappiness began then. I felt very, I was very self-conscious um, as a teenager. And that never, that didn't leave me for a long time. Felt very unhappy about the way I looked. Um, I felt, um, you know, I, I, I think I felt like I didn't fit in with the world that I was living in like I, you know for example i was at a kind of very macho male boys private school you know boarding school and i think it was totally the wrong place for me because i felt like a kind of sensitive quite you know effeminate yeah. teenager and it's sort of it, yeah and i felt like i really struggled in that environment and i think it set off a kind of a chain reaction in me Um, and it, and it's, and, it, and it's, and that sort of stayed there for, for many years. I mean, it's still, you know, there are still remnants of it now, of course, it's never, never going to be something you completely get over. Although I think years of really very good therapy have helped. Um, but I also think, you know, part, part of the problem was I also wasn't really equipped to deal with that stuff emotionally and i think that begins much younger right i think when when you're it's that's when you're when you're a child you know it's it's down to the way that your feelings are acknowledged as a kid i think my parents were of a different generation not, i don't blame them for an instant you know it's the way that they were brought up and i think they they had an attitude of um i suppose trying to just gloss over or or brush under the carpet things that weren't felt as it were, negative emotions, sadness, anxiety, anger, those were best just, you know, uh, brushed aside. Whereas if things were happy and good and you were feeling jolly, that was all good. That was fine. You know, that could be celebrated. Um, but, you know, I think I've, there's something I've learned with my own children, you know, I really have to acknowledge the full range of their emotional worlds so that they understand that there's nothing wrong with feeling unhappy or feeling sad or feeling angry you know it's just part of life so i think yes the combination of the way i felt as a teenager coupled with the way that i was brought up i think it, it was a kind of very dangerous kind of cocktail uh and a re recipe for disaster later on in life and and as it turned out you know i wasn't able to cope and in fact being getting famous and successful in the way that we did after hopes and fears, uh, it just made it even worse. It exacerbated all of those, those yeah. problems. 
Yeah, because you have to be in a macho male world and you get adoration, but not for who you are, but for who for people, well, what people think who you are. So, yes, uh, of course, it's, they're, they're projecting who they think you are. And of course, yeah. that's often not what you are. There's one thing that uh, uh, starts a line before the song actually starts. Someone says, I don't know if it's you or someone else says, trust yourself. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was that was Ethan Johns who produced the record. Mm. He's actually playing the acoustic guitar on that song. And, you know, the, it's interesting. I, we wanted to keep that in there because, firstly, I wanted to show to always be showing that the record was made, it was cut live, right? It was basically, you know, we would get each song, we would get in the studio, all the musicians together, and we would play it. And we would play through the songs seven, eight, nine, ten times. And then we'd listen back to them all, and we'd decide which ones we liked the most. And maybe we'd cut two or three together, but, you know, often it was just one take that we felt had a real energy and beauty to it. And so... You know, there's that sense of liveness in the record and warmth and honesty and the and, and the interplay between the musicians, which I think is very rare these days. The records don't get made like that. So, uh, but Ethan is, he's very, he's a big exponent, proponent of that way of doing things. And he's, he's, he's like an outsider because of it. You know, he's known for it. But people are very scared to work with him, I reckon, because of that. But I think if you're, you've reached a certain point where you feel like you trust your own abilities enough and the songs enough, then it's a way of making records that is, is thrilling and, and really exciting. But to trust yourself, is it for him? Does he say it to himself or does he say it to you? No, I think, I think we were probably just talking about, uh, you know, trying to keep in time with each other or something like that. But the, yeah, and so to, to finish answering that question, yes, trust yourself. I mean, part of the reason we kept it in, I was like, we've got to keep that in because that's what the song is about. Yeah. The, the song is saying, trust yourself. But but actually, we were talking more about just the practicalities of playing, I think, yeah. when when, uh, when he said it. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a nice intro because, especially like you were saying, because of the, because of the lyrics too. And there are a bit of, yeah. of, of, of uh, electro, I don't know how, how, how you describe it, but there are some sorts of uh, electronic uh, um, um, bits and pieces. Um, was it on a purpose by you or by Ethan or is real music dying what even is real music and who are we to judge that well my father is a lifelong musician and together we've been making music for over a decade in our new podcast we dare to ask the urgent the weird and the deep questions and we have a lot of wild stories to tell No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer, or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in and go follow Mad Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts. There's little bits of electronica here and there. I mean, they're all... You know, little drum pads or drum machines. Um, we used, actually, we used, um, there's a Mellotron synth that we used quite a lot on the album, um, which, I mean, it's one of the, it's a very rare case where the samples on it are so good that you really can't tell the difference between that and the original 
Mellotron. Um, and so, so yes, yeah, so we use that uh, a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, so really, the fundamentally, the songs were cut live. So the heart of the songs is basically live performance. And then, yes, there are moments when there's bits of um, electronica there, synths and drum machines. Occasionally, Neil Cowley, who played the piano, uh, who's a who's a, an amazing sort of he's a he's a he's a classically trained pianist, but he now does a lot of stuff sort of avant avant garde jazz and um, a lot of kind of ambient uh, music as well. And he you know he fed a lot of his piano sounds through various pedals and stuff. Um, so it was really it was really interesting. I mean, I think that's one of the things I love about making solo albums is just getting to meet these people have a, all have a different view of how things are, should be done. And, and obviously when it comes to your own songs and it, their own interpretation and their own mark that they stamp on what you do. And that's so exciting to work with people like that. I mean, much as I love working in Keen, we know each other and we know what we can do. We not understand the dynamics because we've been doing it for 30 years, you know, but with, yeah, with new people, it's, it's there's a, there's a, there's a kind of nervous tension and an excitement about seeing how you're going to react to the way that they play and the way they interpret your, your music. So very, it was very exciting doing things like that. Yeah. There's one lyric that I, um, well, I've listened to the album several times and, and once you listen to the album, to, to an album, to a song for the first time, it's, well, it's, it has to, you have to do it twice or three or four times. But the one song that really triggered me lyric wise the first time too and I thought it was really honest and brave. Um, gonna run. Uh, I left so many lies in a box behind uh, the door. I'm afraid they are going to break out and pin me to the floor. But I was thinking <laughs> to write this. Um, uh, do you do you have a lot of secrets? Well, in a way, yes, I suppose I do. I mean, yeah. I think the thing about that song is, you know, my life is pretty good now, yeah. and uh things are in reasonable balance and harmony uh but the great fear is that things are going to come from my past yeah. you know yeah. I, you know i i was a drug addict for a long time so this stuff i've done that i really regret and um you know just ways in which i treated people especially that i feel great sadness about and uh you know and i, and I think when you live with that stuff it, you know, however much you've processed it, however much you've apologized to people or you've tried to deal with it in therapy, it's still there. And I suppose the feeling that I'm trying to convey in that song is that I always feel like I can never quite relax because yeah. at some point that stuff either comes back to haunt you just emotionally, you know, whatever. It's always there. It's always, but, but there's also a sense of, oh, I'm just, I'm just, just luckily, you know, making it through, my life now being this balanced and happy for the most part, you know, and, but it's something's going to come along and destroy it yes. and undermine it. But did you think about writing this song? I mean, lyric wise, did you think about, well, maybe it's too honest, maybe it's too, maybe opening the door, maybe, I don't know. Is it something that you, is well, maybe that you discussed with yourself, maybe, well, should I do this or. I don't know, really not. No, I, I don't, no, I don't think so. Okay. I, I mean, you know, you, before I, this is the great thing about having had so much therapy, I think, 
is that I don't really, I'm not really afraid of being a human being anymore. And by, what I mean by that is I know that I've made mistakes and I know I've done stupid stuff in my life, but I also don't think I'm a bad person just because of those things, you know, that that's, that's, you know, but I, but I think, but I, know, and I also know that that's the same for everyone, right? I think everyone lives with that stuff. No, nobody is perfect. Uh, no, you know, everyone has a dark side and um, a darkness within them um, that I think has to just be acknowledged. Right. And, and so, um, and, and I think that's what I've learned more and more over the years that it's okay to acknowledge that and to accept that that's just part of the human condition. Um, and so that, you know, when it comes to writing songs that might touch on that subject of shame and regret and guilt, you know, I think it's fine. It's just okay to put it all out there. It, it seems to me like the, the narrative in, in our world is changing as well. Like uh, that, those kind of things were, were much more stigmatized, even like 10 or 15 years ago. I think there's, there's gradually been a shift uh, in trying to accept our frailties more as human beings. Now, well, um, the thing is, if you, if you, for you, because you were saying, it's always something that's, that comes, maybe comes to haunt you. And, and, and uh, like I said, I'm afraid they are going to break out and pin me to the floor. Um, can you relax a bit more, a bit, have you feel totally at ease with, uh, well, with, with the road that you've, that you've traveled now? Um, uh, uh, that's a very good question. Um, I think for the time being, I, I, I've, I mean, I feel like, um, I don't actually know. I don't know what the answer to that question is. I really don't. I mean, uh, well, if you I, I, mean I, feel, I feel like the road I've traveled has made for a very interesting life so far. Yeah. It's given me lots to, I mean, it's, 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 for example, people say about addiction, you know, they say, oh, would you rather have never been an addict? And, I, and the honest truth is that I would much, I'm much, I would much rather have been an addict and, and, and have got well from it because I think the experience of going through it, it forced me to learn about myself in a much deeper way than I ever would have done. And it also I think, probably gave me a degree of humility that I would otherwise not ever have had. So I think, um, you know, we, we, yeah, I suppose we are just, we are our stories. We are our experiences. Yeah. And, um, I mean, well, like I said earlier on, I do feel like my life is more in balance now. It's not perfect. And it's, and it's not like I sort of live every day kind of full of joy and, and stress-free and all of that, you know, uh, and then things can definitely trigger me and make me unhappy. And, But but it, I'm definitely better at coping with that. I cope with it in a more measured and realistic way. So I don't I don't know whether that answers your question or no, not. But I will I will I will end this interview because I have to stop now with maybe a quote and maybe someone is really special for you. Um, the last song, uh, overshoot. When the ship goes down, we'll be hand in hand. You know every inch of this record soul. Yeah, I think it's about your wife, right? Sure, it is. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, 
I think that's one of the biggest things that triggers a midlife crisis, right? For, for people, they, they get married and they have kids and it's a lot to tie yourself to, isn't it? It's like a kind of, you know, you, you're in for the long run with that. Right. You know, there's a lot of responsibilities there. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, and, and so I suppose, um, and and I think that can be very scary. Like, I think you can, I mean, this is what we talked about at the beginning. It's like suddenly you can think to yourself, oh my God, is, you know, do is that what I really want for the rest of my life? Especially because I still got a chance to tear it all down and start again. You know, I could do that. That is still possible. But I think, yeah, what I realized is like, you know, or at least so far have realized is that those ties are so deep and they're so important. And it's so important for me to be responsible for my kids and to be there for my wife. And, you know, to have, and to have this little, you know, this, put it this way, this little world, this little bubble that we've created um, to kind of burst that or to tear it down comes at a heavy, heavy cost there's a seductive world out there of, you know, starting up with someone new or moving to Australia or do you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's all sorts of things that feel very quite appealing, especially when you're stressed out, you know, when it feels like this has been the same thing for years and years, you know, I, I can understand people's desire to break away from that. And so, yes, this, that's what the song is about. It's like, it's about not only it's about entertaining that as an idea, but then also realizing that actually I know the cost of tearing that down. I've seen it in other people. I don't want to go there. Um, and I also hope that if we can get through this little patch in our lives where we are tested in this way, that it makes us stronger. And, you know, that idea of when we reach the end, you know, to still be together and to have shared it and to have that connection still, would be a very fine thing, you know, um, and and quite a rare thing, you know, it feels like in this day and age. So, yeah. so many relationships don't seem to last. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a song of hope, but also a song of kind of realisation about the importance of of each other, you know, in, in our lives. Um, so, yeah, so I, I feel like it was a great way of signing the record off. It yeah. is probably, probably the, yeah, it's a, it's probably, I feel like it's kind of the best love song I've ever written. So, um, yeah, I felt like it uh, it's, 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 it's a love song with depth, you know, it's a love song with, with, uh, with, yeah, it's not a love song that you write when you're 18 years old. No, so, exa exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, well, let me, because I have to stop now. Uh, and if you are tempted every now and then, then just think about the line that you wrote in rise and fall. I've grown tired of chasing the highlight. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know what it's like to live with those kind of, you know, big highs and lows. Yeah. And it's it's a ride. It's a big, fast roller coaster ride. But it's I've done that now. You know, my nerves are too frazzled to get back on that roller coaster. I'd much rather live, you know, bobbing up and down on a nice calm ocean, you know, yeah. <laughs> than being on a white knuckle ride. Yeah, um, I have to stop now, Tom. Thank you for your time. Martin, thank you so much. Really appreciate nice. it. Yes. Yeah, thank nice you.